Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, May the 6th, 2019. It is currently 9.20 a.m. Central Time. Now, this is a live broadcast for the VBC 66 app. This is a live broadcast for the VBC 66 app. The reason I stress that is because the live broadcast is being recorded and then it is posted in a number of locations. And a lot of times people tuning into the recording of a live broadcast, well, they obviously don't have uh, any idea that it is a live broadcast. So I like to kind of give them an understanding of why I may be doing things a little differently and just, you know, just let them understand what is going on. I also like to tell them it's a live broadcast because I like to encourage the people who hear the recording of the live broadcast to please take a few minutes out of your busy schedule, go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and do a search for VBC 66, VBC 66, and you can download the app for yourself. Now, you may be saying, well, why do I need the app? I'm hearing the recording of it. Yes. Well, number one, you want the app so that you can hear the live recording when they're actually taking place, right? That you can hear the live broadcast. And because you will have access to everything on the app, because typically a lot of times in the live broadcast, well, I mention everything on the app and I think you, well, you'll want the app. You can have access to discussions about philosophy, discussions about uh, the news, commentary about current events, um, the hermeneutics section, the church history section. You'll have access to everything. When you hear the recordings online, Whatever recordings you may hear from us, you're not getting everything unless you have the VBC 66 app. So please take a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. Again, go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and do a search for VBC 66 and download the app. All right. Before we dig into the morning devotional thought, and that's the purpose of this live broadcast today, what I want to do is uh, point you to some very important resources that have been uploaded and posted on the VBC 66 app in the last 24 hours. Let's start with the Your World section of the VBC 66 app. This morning, I posted kind of a news roundup, about a 30-minute discussion about what's happening in your world. Uh, The broadcast from this morning is called Legal Docket and the Money Beat. It deals with things happening in the Supreme Court that you need to know and deals with things happening in the economy. Look for Legal Docket and the Morning Beat in the Your World section of the VBC 66 app. Also, On Sunday, started what is known as Ramadan. Ramadan began on Sunday. Do you know what Ramadan is? Do you know what Muslims are remembering and and looking at on Ramadan? Do you know what they are supposed to do during Ramadan? It is a very... It's not a very deep discussion on Ramadan. It's kind of basically a a very surface level overview of some basic ideas within Islam and uh, some basic concepts dealing with Ramadan. It's only about 34 minutes long. It won't take too much of your time. You can listen to a discussion on Ramadan in the Your World section of the VBC 66 app. In the Food for Thought section, I posted a five-minute commentary, a five-minute commentary in the Food for Thought section this morning called, it is entitled, How to Heal the Body, Emotions, and Spirit. Now, it kind of looks at a holistic approach to health. It's Again, it's a five-minute commentary. There's a lot of claims made there. I think you should be 
I think you should listen to it carefully and consider what they're saying. There, there's at least an idea there that I really, I really like. There's certain parts of it I'm a little questionable uh, about, but I thought it would be interesting. That's why it's in the food for thought section. It's to give you something to think about. Again, it is called How to Heal the Body, Emotions, and Spirit. It can be found in the Food for Thought section of the VBC66 app. And then one last thing to point everyone's attention to, the church history section. Um, I posted a discussion about the 4th century Bishop of Alexander, Athanasius. And if you know anything about me, you know that I absolutely think every Christian should know everything they can know about Athanasius. They should have read all of his writings if they've been a Christian for any length of time. And churches should be bringing messages on Athanasius at various times. I, I think they should try at least yearly, or they should emphasize Athanasius for a period of time and then they could take a break. But Athanasius is key and everyone should know the Athanasian Creed, not written by Athanasius, but a very important document in the history of the church as well. All of that that I just mentioned is available to you free of charge on the VBC 66 app. Please make use of it and share it with as many people as possible. All right, now that we've got that all out of the way, what are we doing this morning? Well, this morning we have a devotional thought. I don't even know if we should call this a devotional thought. This may be more considered a devotional problem. We're about to open up a door to some, some very important questions. All right, so, so let's begin by turning our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5 and... Uh, well, we're going to look at it, and we're going to do our best to try to uh, figure this out. Proverbs chapter 5. Here we go. Let's begin reading. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 5. My son, attend, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that my lips may keep and that thy lips may keep knowledge. All right, let's take this apart. My son, the writer of the Proverbs, is speaking to his son. Now, we, we've already brought up some questions about how to interpret this. Um, sometimes, just by default, people will kind of go, oh, this is God speaking to us. We typically understand this. Now, this is, now, is going to be very important to today's discussion. If we believe Solomon is the author that Solomon is speaking to his son? Is it a literal son? Is he speaking to just his, um, to his lineage, you know, going all the way down, you know, you know, past just the, nor the, the, the first son or the second or the third, fourth, fifth, you're talking grandchildren, just all the way through his lineage. Is he speaking to his lineage? But he's offering kind of a fatherly advice and he's saying, my son, Attend unto my wisdom. Well, if this is Solomon, that would make some sense, right? Solomon is viewed as the wisest man in the Bible, right? So if we understand this to be Solomon, right, which most people say it is, then it would make sense for him to say, attend unto my wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding. I, I can get some some kind of some ideas there. In fact, it makes it makes me just want to back out for just a second. 
I'm going to look this up really quick. And remember, these these live devotional broadcasts, I mean, they're, they're, they're live. I, these are not like greatly prepared in advance. Um, this is just me sitting in my study doing my devotional time. And I invite you to come along and listen. So um, always understand that. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 really quick, because I think this does establish what I am saying here. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. The Proverbs of Solomon. Verse 2. These for, for gaining wisdom and instruction. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 identifies Solomon as being the author. The Proverbs of Solomon. So if we read it that way, and if we understand it that way, when we go to Proverbs chapter 5, and again, you may be going, why are you, you know, belaboring this point? You'll see. When I go to Proverbs chapter 5, then I can read it almost like this. My son, Solomon, speaking to a son, right? And we can talk about lineage. We can talk about whichever son. My son, then he says to his son, attend unto my wisdom. Makes sense. Solomon is the writer of Proverbs, giving out his wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding. All right. So he wants his son to listen to his wisdom. He wants his son to pay close attention to his understanding. Why? Because, verse 2, that thou, speaking of the son, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. He wants him to hear, Solomon wants his son to hear his wisdom so that he can have discretion and that he, his lips can, can keep knowledge. Verse 3. Now this becomes very key to what he wants him to understand in Proverbs 5. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Solomon wants his son to have some understanding here about what he refers to as the strange woman. He wants the son to understand the almost the power or the the seductive nature of this of the strange woman that her lips drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil but her end is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword he wants the son to understand hey this strange woman is appealing outwardly will draw you in can be seductive but you need to understand the end the end result will be as bitter as wormwood and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's going to pierce you through. It's going to cut you. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way from her, and come not nigh to the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger, and thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. 
And I say, how, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. Now, I mean, he, is, he, is, he is challenging his son here. Look, don't be deceived by this, as he refers to her as a strange woman. It is seductive. It looks pleasing. But listen, the end result is going to be pain. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be shame. It's going to be conviction. It's going to be destruction. You've got to listen to me. Now, continue back to what Proverbs says here. All right. Um, he tells uh, the son um, in verse 15 of Proverbs chapter 5, Drink waters out of thy own cistern, run, running waters out of thine own well. In other words, hey, don't go, using a, the words of a, fa a famous pop song, don't go chasing waterfalls. Don't go try to find water somewhere else. What he is saying is stay at home and drink the water there. He's using it as an illustration. Don't go try to find water somewhere else. In other words, hey, Drink or be satisfied from your wife. Don't go pursuing pleasure or satisfaction from another woman. He's being very specific here. Keep reading. Uh, verse 16. Let thy fountains be... Uh, lest... Uh, yeah. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountains be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall, shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be hidden with all the cards of his life. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of, of his folly he shall go astray. All right. I read the whole chapter there. Um, I think I may have skipped one or two verses because I want you to kind of get the overall tone of what Solomon is supposedly saying in Proverbs chapter 5. He is basically telling his son, look, if you have a wife, that's where your pleasure and satisfaction should be found. Don't go looking anywhere else. Don't do it. It's tempting. It may bring you pleasure. It may bring temporary joy. It may be, be temporarily wonderful, but the end is going to be horrible. The ending is going to be nothing but destruction, conviction, shame, folly. It's don't do it. Now, we as in many cases, pastors and teachers will preach that very straightforward, very powerful, and can be a very powerful reminder. It can bring about great conviction for those who have fallen into that kind of sin. It can be, it can be a very convicting and emotional experience to hear a sermon like that. However, I think there is a underlying, underlying question here that cannot be ignored. There's an underlying question here that we have to go, wait, 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 wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Solomon wrote that? The Solomon of the Bible wrote that? 
are we sure that this could have been Solomon? Now, if you know anything about Solomon, you know that there's a possible problem here. And here's the reason why. Um, this is the man, King Solomon, who had 700 wives, I believe, and something like 300 concubines. 700 wives, I think it was around 700 wives, and 300 concubines, something around that number, okay? I'm, I'm using it from memory. That's basically Solomon was a man who we would typically describe as having a woman problem. In fact, we know that because of all of his wives and because of all of these things, they turned his heart away from the true God to idolatry. Here's a man who not only couldn't obviously say no to the pleasures of women. He amassed as many women as he could, hundreds and hundreds of wives and concubines. He had all these women around him. Um, they also turned his heart away from the true God. So wait, this is the man who now comes along in Proverbs chapter 5 and used by God of all the people God could use to give us um, a warning about the strange woman, he chooses to give us Solomon to issue that warning. Now, everything inside of us, let's just be honest. If we were, if Solomon was standing in front of us and he preached Proverbs chapter 5, and he's like, look, I want everyone in this church. Maybe he was on a college campus at, at a chapel service, standing in front of everybody. Hey, young people, I just want you to know. The strange woman, adultery, finding physical pleasure away from your spouse. It is wrong. It is folly. It's going to destroy you. Someone would raise their hand and go, who are you to tell us about sexual morality and remaining faithful when you had 700-something wives and 300-something concubines. Who are you, you no-good, lying hypocrite? And they would walk out disregarding the words of Solomon. But yet, when we open our Bibles, that's exactly what we find. The man who had, who had all of these women talking to us about sexual immorality and remaining faithful to one. How do we understand this? Well, let me give you two approaches to this subject. Approach number one. Now, listen carefully. This is how um, one um, author approached this subject. He quotes Proverbs chapter 5, 15 to 23. He writes it this way. A father warns his son about infidelity. This is strong stuff and right on target. I love his statements. Drink water from your own cistern, fresh water from your own well. Stay at home, boy. Focus on this woman whom God has given you as a wife. Don't have a roving eye. Still... On that theme, he says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her, her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Such teachings convince us Solomon did not write this particular bit of advice, nor did he write what we call the Song of Solomon. No man with, and they quote this number, 700 wives and 300, they say girlfriends, but concubines, I think, I don't think we should call them girlfriends, okay, 300 concubines, um, and they quote uh, First, uh, First Kings 11.3 there as their source. 
So let me go back here. So they make some big claims here. Such teachings of Proverbs chapter 5 convince us Solomon did not write this particular bit of advice, and they go on to say, nor did he write what we call the Song of Solomon. No man with 700 wives and 300 concubines can focus on one woman. So he says, um, uh, no one should give Solomon a free pass here. Scripture sure doesn't. All right, so the first approach to this issue is Proverbs chapter 5 is a convicting chapter. It gives some amazing wisdom. It challenges us. It convicts us. We should heed the wisdom. And their conclusion is, obviously then, Solomon could not have written Proverbs chapter 5. No, there's no way he could. And he couldn't have written the Song of Solomon. So he didn't write either one of those books, or that he didn't write, write the he didn't write the section of Proverbs five, and he did not write the entire book. That is the claim of that article that I just read to you. That is how some commentators handle what we'll call the Solomon problem. Solomon giving us advice on sexual morality and staying faithful to one when he had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Now, is that a correct approach? Well, again, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 seems to identify the, the Proverbs as being from Solomon. And now when we get later on, we have some clear indication when it's not Solomon. So do we have any textual basis for removing Solomon as the author? Or do we have what we call a, a, a problem with it? In other words, the issue is not a textual issue. The issue is... There's no way Solomon could have wrote this. I'm not going to listen to it. If that's Solomon, I'm not going to listen to it. He's not qualified to talk talk to me about this. Do we have a a personal problem with it or do we have a textual problem with it? Let's see how another commentator handles this issue. Another commentator approaches this way. And again, I'm reading from an article. I am currently preaching through Proverbs chapter 1 through 9. When I decided to preach a sermon on the unchaste woman, so prominent in chapters 5 through 7, I was struck by the relationship between the author and his words. Solomon likely wrote these words. He was the wisest man in the world, and he taught young men with such wisdom that holding fire to your chest will get you burned. But 1 Kings chapter 11 seems to have Solomon getting burned, okay? The idea is, is you can't take temptation to your chest without getting burned, so you need to avoid adultery, avoid the strange woman. But 1 Kings 11 has him taking not just, you know, one woman to his chest to be burned, but 700 wives and 300 concubines. He took a lot of fire, and we have him getting burned because his heart is turned away from God, and he turns to idolatry, all right? So wait a minute. We have the man who failed in this area giving us the advice and how to act in this area. It does pose a problem. Let's see what this author does. As I studied this passage, I was wondering when Solomon would have written these words. The answer, is, is the, uh, the answer to this really doesn't matter. So this author says it doesn't really matter when he wrote it, but he is convinced Solomon wrote it. The previous article doesn't think Solomon wrote it. So we even have disagreement here. So he goes, he doesn't think it really matters when he wrote it. This is what he says. God's word is true no matter the historical setting of the author. But the way we apply the life of Solomon to these words might be different based on when he wrote this. There are two scenarios that I see. 
Perhaps Solomon wrote this as an old man with the basically the, the marks and the scars on his chest. In other words, he, he was an older man. He bears the scars of all of, of, of the idolatry. He bears the scars of his adultery. He bears the scars of his polygamy. He bears the scars. And now he's an old man saying, hey, son, listen to me. Listen to me in Proverbs chapter 5. You've got to understand, if you go this path, if you go this route, and these strange women, you will destroy yourself. Listen to me. That's scenario number one, that he wrote this as an old, older man, all right, or an old man. Back to the article. Um, so, so he goes. There, there's two some uh, two scenarios. Perhaps Solomon wrote this as an old man with with these scars and marks on his chest, or Solomon wrote this as somewhat a younger man who didn't heed his own advice. Honestly, I was shocked when I started studying this. Uh, started studying this, how little material I was able to find. Anything we put together is pure conjecture, but I found even attempting to answer this question has provided some helpful fruit. Now, I do find it interesting that, that he's right. When you start trying to figure out, when you start reading all the commentaries about Proverbs 5, no commentator seems to stop and go, wait a minute, Solomon's writing these words. This man is the adulterer of adulterers. This man is the polygamist of polygamists. This man literally is the example of what not to do, and he's the one now giving us instruction under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on what to do. How do we reconcile this problem? Now, of course, we've got two approaches here. The first approach is Solomon didn't write it. The other approach Solomon did, but we've got to figure out when he wrote it. Did he write it as an old man? And now he's basically looking back saying, don't do what I did, or did he write it as a young man who was filled with passion and zeal, but did not seem to follow through with what he said. So he said, like, nobody really wants to answer this. We have to simply conjecture. But here are some things he found in his study. The rabbinic tradition, that of the rabbis, they, they hold that Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon at a young age, Proverbs at middle age, and Ecclesiastes as an older man. There's likely a good deal of truth to this. Doing a bit of math and studying the gene uh, genealogical records, King Solomon was probably around 27 when he fathered Rehoboam. This would have put him at around 40 when his son was given uh, when when his son was given instructions on sexuality. However, there is nothing which says that Solomon had to be speaking to Rehoboam. It is possible that the my son has more to do with spiritual lineage than biological lineage. There is nothing in the scriptures which definitively answers the age of Solomon. He, he could have been an older age man uh, when he wrote this, and if he was, then certainly he would. we should listen as one who had been burned and is now telling us the wisdom that he refused to heed. Now, let's just stop right there. This is, an, this is a very important challenge because we, we seem to approach this Christians tend to approach this idea from a non-biblical perspective. The biblical perspective seems to go like this. People fall into sin. They fail miserably. They hurt themselves, they can hurt the people around them, and they clearly bring great shame to the name of Christ. You want some examples? King David. You want some examples? King Solomon. 
You want some examples? Peter, who denied Jesus three times. But in all three cases, David, Solomon, and Peter, they failed miserably, but then God turned around and used them to author, listen, the very words of Scripture. God used them as his messenger to convey messages of morality, messages of right, messages of condemnation of sin, even though they had all sinned, even though they had all failed. Now, our way of thinking is, no, you sinned, you failed, you created public scandal, you never speak again. The scriptures seem to indicate, no, you failed, now, hopefully you have been broken. Hopefully you have repented. Hopefully now there is restoration. And now that you're restored, I'm still going to use you to deliver my message. Because when we come to delivering the words of God, we're not delivering our understanding of morality. We are uh, delivering God's words of morality. And God's words of morality are not affected or impacted by our failure to keep them. They, we, they are still God's words of morality. Now, you would think that after you have fallen and restored, that you would approach some subjects, like Solomon uh, approaching this subject, in a more broken or humble way, going, let me tell you what happened to me so that it will not happen to you. But of course, Solomon, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would write the words as God would lead and guide him through the power of the Holy Spirit. But three, I mean, Peter went on to write and condemn and challenge in his writings even after he failed. And Jesus restored him and said, go feed my sheep. Sometimes you can feed the sheep better from being able to present something from a practical experience. Hey, listen to what happened to me. Now, it doesn't excuse the failure. It doesn't excuse the sin. And when it doesn't mean we should run around and sin and go, well, hey, now, now I can speak on this subject more authoritative. No, it's better not to have done it, but we fall. And when we fall, is there still the ability to speak to it? Sometimes Christians are under the impression there isn't. Now, I know I'm not saying that it just means you fall and you just should just continue. There has to be a process and there has to be a way of to restore it. But so, this isn't a good example. I mean, Solomon broke the rules here. I mean, for him to be given this advice at first just feels hypocritical. And trying to determine, did he give the words when he was a young man? Did he give the words when he was an old man? Whenever you try to say that he gave the words, here's what we know. He didn't follow them. He broke them. So, you know, he, he failed. He, he, he failed miserably in this area. And there's no way, and we should not say that he did not. All right. And I have failed. You have failed. We have all failed miserably in different ways. I just think it's interesting. Um, this person goes on to say this. Right. So remember, his theory, number one, is uh, Solomon possibly wrote this as an older man. He was scarred, looks back. This person writes it this way. Yet I increasingly am convinced that Solomon was actually younger or middle age when he wrote Proverbs 5 through 7. Given Solomon's demise later in his life, this is absolutely shocking and serves as a fitting warning to us. What all of this means is that Solomon, much like many of us, thought he was an exception to the rules. He knew full and well that he was holding fire to his chest, but thought he wouldn't have gotten burned. 
Um, uh, Bruce, uh, what's his name? Walkie, I guess is how you pronounce his last name, makes this point as well. And I quote, if one should ask, if Solomon is the wise author, how could he have died such a fool? Let it be noted that he constructed his own gibbet on which he impaled himself. Now, I find it interesting he says impaled himself because gibbet usually refers to building your own gallows. And usually you would hang yourself, not impel yourself. But okay, I get the idea. Let me read it again. If one should ask, if Solomon is the wise author, how could he have died such a fool? Let it be noted that he constructed his own gibbet on which he impaled himself. That is, he ceased listening to his own instruction. Lesson, spiritual, sex, spiritual success today does not guarantee spiritual success tomorrow. Spiritual success today does not guarantee spiritual success tomorrow. This is a very important point and I and I want to drive that home. In fact, I want to I'm going to add my own uh explanation to this. Spiritual success of the past and the present does not guarantee spiritual success in the future. Spiritual success of the past, spiritual success in the present does not guarantee spiritual success in the future. You can live a Christian life of 15 years, 20 years, no major sin in your life. Things are going good. You you seem you you're, you're trying to make a difference. You're you're trying to teach people, and then every, the wheels come off, and you find yourself in a deep, dark, 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 dark cave, alone, broken, humiliated. All that success in the past, no one cares about because they're going to remember your failure. But the point is, at some point, you have to get out of that cave and hopefully be restored so that you can be used again. Solomon, David, and Peter all fell, but they were all used again. But it is a warning that whatever spiritual success you think you're having right now, whatever spiritual success you think you are, and you can say, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this, and I didn't commit his sin, and I did not commit Pastor Hammock's sin, and I did not commit the sin of David, and I did not commit the sin of Solomon, and I sure didn't deny you three times like Peter. You better be careful because the success you may be so confident in today is of no guarantee of your success tomorrow. I think it's very important. In two paragraphs, and I will I will uh, close. Likewise, Matthew Henry points out it is easier to see mischief and to show it to others than to shun it ourselves. Oh, it is so easy for me to point out your mischief. It is so easy for me to show you your error. It is so easy for me to warn you of what not to do. And it's far different than to see the mischief and failure and danger in my own life. That is true of me. It's true of you. What a fitting warning this is to those of us who spend so much time reading the scriptures, growing in wisdom, and stockpiling books on Christian living. This, there is a way in which knowledge can puff up instead of protect. There is a point where we can just become so knowledgeable. We're so ready to give the advice to everyone else. And while we're sitting there, it can be 
It could be that we find ourselves, it could be a strange woman, it could be a, you know, a physical failure, it could be a, a mental failure with a, you know, pornography, it could be a failure with an inappropriate online relationship, whatever it may be. We can be sitting there telling everyone else, don't do it, don't do it, and not even realize we have walked ourselves to the very edge and we're one step away from going over. And then we go over and find ourselves at the bottom of the cliff, broken in a thousand pieces and everyone going, look at you. You told us what not to do and you did it yourself. Or Solomon... Same. We don't know if he wrote it when he was older. We don't know when he wrote it when he was younger. Whenever he wrote Proverbs 5, and he does seem to be the author, um, we don't seem to have a textual basis to say he's not like the first article did. It's a warning to us. Hey man, here's the man who told us to avoid strange wo women, a strange woman, one, and he ended up with, you know, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Yeah. If, 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 if Solomon could go there, we should go, we can go there, and in many cases we do. The life of Solomon should serve as a warning to us. The scriptures are true. Solomon's words are true. But that mere fact doesn't protect us unless we actually apply and live out these words. Just knowing that adultery will kill you isn't enough. You have to actually live in light of those facts. Solomon didn't and he got burned. It is one thing to agree with the Bible and the truth of God. I think Solomon did that, but it's quite another thing to obey the Bible. Our dedication to the Lord isn't measured by the times when where we agree with the Bible and obey. Our dedication to the Lord is measured by those times when the scripture rubs up against our fallen inclinations and we balk at his words and those moments in in those moments what are we going to obey even if we don't yet at that moment agree? Will we have God's word not only inform us, but also crucify us? Let me read that paragraph again. I'm going to read this slowly because this really concludes this idea. The life of Solomon should serve as a warning to us. The scriptures are true. Solomon's words are true. But that mere fact doesn't protect us unless we actually apply and live out these words. Just knowing that adultery will kill you isn't enough. You have to actually live in light of those facts. Solomon didn't and he got burned. It is one thing to agree with the Bible and the truth of God. I think Solomon did that. But it's quite another to obey the Bible. Our dedication to the Lord isn't measured by the times when we agree with the Bible and obey. Our dedication to the Lord is measured by those times when the scriptures rub up against our fallen inclinations and we balk at his word. In other words, we're like, no, I, no I'm not listening to that. We don't like it. We, we almost push it away. It is in those moments that we have to decide, are we going to obey even if we don't yet at that moment agree or like it? Last sentence. Will we have God's word not only inform us, but will we have that word also crucify us? Will we allow God's word 
to crucify us, to kill our will, to kill our nature? Or will we simply say, look how much I know, and then go and do the opposite? Solomon offers some powerful words in Proverbs chapter 5 about the strange woman. He tells us her power of seduction. He tells us, no, stay at home. Don't go chasing water somewhere else. Don't go looking for water somewhere else. Find the pleasure in your wife. And then he turned around. Who knows if he wrote it before he did it or he did it after. Whenever, though, Solomon did not follow those words. But God used the man who failed greatly in that area to be the man to challenge us not to fail in that area. It looks like hypocrisy. Or maybe Solomon not only serves as the messenger, he may serve as the example of what not to do. Something to consider on this Monday. Thank you for listening to this live broadcast on the VBC 66 app. I hope it proves to be beneficial. There's a lot we talked about there. Now, I know I didn't have it, you know, it's hard when you're uh, doing these live broadcasts because I'm in, you know, an empty room talking to myself. So it's not like I can't speak the way I would maybe in front of people. I hope in spite of any flaws in the presentation, you will um, be, you will benefit from the content of the presentation because there's a lot for you to consider today and a lot for you to think about. And I hope that you will do that. Share this, these ideas and thoughts with others. And of course, uh, share the VBC 66 app with as many people as possible as well. All right, everyone have a great day, a great week. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening to the live broadcast. And thank you for listening to this recording. Mm -hmm.